Hello and welcome to Young Nostalgia, the podcast that sounds better the second time around. That's right, you heard it. This is our second time recording this episode. I think about two to three times a year we have to come back and re-record an episode the day after we first recorded it. And I mean, we're talking like a full episode, a full-on episode. It sounded like I was recording into a potato that was being graded at the same time and it was terrible. <laughs> but we are back, episode 61, this month in music history for March. Ben, how you doing, big guy? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. This show, you know, I should be able to do this show from memory now. Um, pretty much throw away these show notes and just wing it. <laughs> I think the, honestly, I think the past couple of times that we had to redo an episode was totally my fault. One was mine that I lost the audio of my end. And then now... <laughs> Now my mic malfunctioned, so we had to redo the whole entire episode. Uh, oh, it sounded oh, man, bad. We because we, we kind of sorted like for a few minutes. We debated on like, eh, can we can we release it? Well, like it'll sound bad, but will it be fine? And no, it sounded horrible. It was it was bad. It, it was bad. <laughs> it was so bad. But we're coming up on a almost two year two-year anniversary of Young Nostalgia, which is absolutely crazy. So come next month, this is actually our last This Month in Music History for Young Nostalgia. Next month will be This Month in Television History. And Ben is just boozing it up this time around, so he sounds... <laughs> so this episode goes quicker. Wow. Um, Make me sound like I'm an alcoholic <laughs> or something. <laughs> I mean, that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to be an alcoholic? No. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, see All what right, what you didn't see is the eight eight other ones prior to this when I was waiting for you to call me. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's average though. Yeah, the two cases that are in the trash that I picked up on the way home. <laughs> nobody nobody would nobody will ever witness or understand how our uh junior 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 and senior year of college together was. Oh, Especially yeah. junior year. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. <laughs> we had no food in the fridge. It was just beer. Yeah, we had to go out for food every single time because there was no room to put it. <laughs> right. And it just stacked up on the edge of our desks after it was finished. <laughs> All right. Episode 61, this month in music history for March. Ben, why don't you kick us off, big guy? All right. March 1st of 1941, the first FM radio station opens in Nashville, Tennessee. <clears throat> Gosh, we're, we're running across that same problem where I don't want to reuse jokes. <laughs> we'll do it. I mean, it's the first time for the listeners, so. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Okay. Do you think it was country? Country? <laughs> or do you think it was like talk? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's not funny, but. <laughs> it's not funny. Um. It, I'm sure it was a little bit of both. Obviously, Nashville, Tennessee, which is now the country music capital of the world. Um, obviously, back then, it already was a... Uh, even at that point in time, 1941, it was still kind of beginning as a, a large uh, center of country music. And so I'm sure it, sh- it probably did have its fair share of country, as well as um, it probably had its fair share of talk talk as well. Wow. Um, (laughs) just because of the, the times talk radio was, uh, was popular. There was radio programs, um, not necessarily all like what we necessarily think of talk radio today. 
um, but more of a speech-based radio rather than a all music or all talk show radio. Right. Hopefully, just sticking with the Young Nostalgia theme, it was actually all Morse code, and that's all it was. <laughs> so, like, when they introduced a song. <laughs> How do you translate a song to Morse code? That, that'd be tough. <laughs> well, I'm saying they'd introduce a song, but they'd play the record. But what they do is, like, the sound of the Morse code to be the needle going up and down on the on the record. You know, like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds overly complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good job to me. Yeah. All right. What's next? All right. Uh, also on March 1st, 1969, Jim Morrison of The Doors is arrested for indecent exposure during a Miami concert. Uh, <laughs> do you think this is the first time or, or? You know, it seems like this is a. Uh, it's we've talked about it before, and I can't remember if it was necessarily uh, this particular incident or if it was the occurrence of this incident or outcome of a trial. I can't remember what we talked about last time, but I'm not a hundred percent sure it was the same incident overall. I'm, I'm kind of wondering if this is a, a regular thing for uh, Jim Morrison um, and or the doors in general. Right. Serial, <laughs> a serial uh, indecent exposure. Right. Yeah. It just seems like, it seems like this is the kind of shenanigan that follows the doors um, kind of throughout their run. Right, right. And I think before, might as well just say it, there was a pun on words that you were just talking and then you said revolving door. And oh, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. Like revolving around this situation. Yeah, I said revolving. I like, this seems like the kind of thing that's always, you know, like revolving around the doors. Right. It was and bad. I was like, it was bad. I was like, you did that on purpose, didn't you? <laughs> All right, and All right. wrapping up March 1st of 2003, the magazine The Marquis op- uh, begins publishing. This, to all the listeners out there, this might not seem super relevant, but it is for Young Nostalgia because this is actually where we get uh, quite a bit of our material for the This Month in Music History episode. So we kind of have to right. pay it back to them a little bit and talk about their founding on March 1st of 2003. Thanks, guys. You'll always see it in our show notes. <laughs> but who looks at the show notes anyway? <laughs> I hope everyone looks at the show notes. I was about to say, like, you slave away at those. At those. <laughs> Sometimes I get stuck and it takes me a while to think of good notes. And uh, I know. Sometimes Ben will just text me and be like, hey, how's this sound? Or I don't know what to call this episode. <laughs> it's good stuff. Uh, March 2nd of 1967, the Beatles song Michelle is named Song of the Year at the Grammy Awards. And I told a little bit anecdote. So my fiance, <laughs> Michelle, spelled the same way with two L's, 50% of all of the Michelles in the world. And I actually made a picture frame with Michelle and the sheet music in the background of the picture uh, with us in the foreground um, and a frame around it. So I'm sure I'm not the only one that has ever done that, but that's the sign that she knew she had to deal with me for the rest of her life. How cute. Yes, I know. You're, you're getting red. Ben's in his mind is thinking, he's never done anything like that for me. <laughs> I'm jealous, man. How could you? <laughs> How could you? I shouldn't have said that. Um, also, on March 2nd, 2005, the iTunes... Ooh. 
March 2nd, 2005, the iTunes Music Store marks its 300 mini- millionth. Oh my gosh. March 2nd, 2005, <laughs> the iTunes Music Store marks its 300 millionth song sold. So, how funny do you think it would be if it was like, hey, this song's for free because you're the 300 millionth song purchaser but it was only 99 cents anyway like oh thanks apple like, like that's really that big of a deal it's like the whole joke you see in uh sitcoms and stuff where it's like oh you're the you're the fruit stand on the sidewalks uh 100,000th customer ever and the confetti falls and you get uh, you know someone brings out the big check and all that stuff <laughs> you're yeah, just yeah, right. sitting at your computer at home and then just poof uh there's like a confetti thing that comes down <laughs> Woo, you're the 300,000th customer Right. And what if it's just like some grandma who like had to buy it for her grandson? <laughs> yeah. What's going on? <laughs> what if they sound like? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What's next? Uh, okay. Uh, March 4th, 1966. John Lennon tells a London newspaper that the Beatles are more popular, are, <clears throat> quote, more popular than Jesus right now, unquote. And that's that's been a huge issue, huge backlash, and kind of polarized a lot of people. I know we've talked about it in the past, how it kind of came up in 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 a big time conversation. Yeah, you know, and and I don't want to make it sound like um, I'm necessarily defending him because it is a an odd thing to say and something I definitely like. You know, if I was speaking in public or something like that, like you just don't say that. <laughs> you um, just don't. But. Uh, you know, I'm sure in his mind it was more of a offhanded comment, um, part of the context. Uh, you know, well, okay, <clears throat> taken out of context. Not that it's necessarily okay to say ever, but um, it. I'm sure he didn't think it was going to be as big of a deal um, as he thought it was. He was more or less making a point, and and I'm uh, I'm curious to know what his reaction to it later on was. It's like, oh wow, maybe. Uh, if I had to do it all over again, maybe I wouldn't say that. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and you know, a lot of times you see this in politics and everything too, where it's like out of everything that they say, they pinpoint one sentence and that's the one thing that's either blown up or concentrated on. And then, you mm-hmm. know, I'm not making this not what it actually is, but you know, a lot of times that's the one thing that came out of that whole interview per se. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. But on the other side, you know, knowing John Lennon and his, uh, and anyone who knows his views about things, you know, it could full well have been intentional and, uh-huh. you know, he meant it and he wouldn't take it back. And that's how he feels about it. You know, right. Who knows? I, who knows? I don't know. We're not in his brain. So <laughs> no, no, we're not. No, we're not. March 5th, 1963, Patsy Klein is killed in a, in a plane crash near Camden, Tennessee. Patsy Klein was a country music star in the 50s and 60s who actually successfully transitioned her career into pop. And pop back then means like the B-52s or... <laughs> yeah, not not necessarily the uh, the the pop that we think of today. Right. Not at all. <laughs> More like the monkeys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I mean, pop is obviously short for popular, you know, it's popular music of the time right now. Um, I thought it was short for popsicle. Well, it could be short for popsicle too. I could be wrong. 
Um, and you know, <laughs> could be wrong. and I think that's kind of something, it's one of those weird little things that people don't think about and it kind of goes over their heads and they just think of pop as a, just as a, a static genre, but it's not necessarily, it kind of evolves over time. You know, it's, it's a, people will refer to it as a genre, but it's, <laughs> it's continually, um, it's continually changing, and I can't. It's hard to focus here with no. I don't know what he's doing, digging through his chest hair, find something. I don't know. It's, <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you on the continuously changing. Yeah. So pop from yeah. the '60s to '70s. I'm so glad we Facetime. I'm so glad we Facetime during these shows. It's it's so great. <laughs> okay, let's move on. 1969, March 5th, the magazine Cream publishes for the first time, and I. You know, I really have no input on <laughs> on anything about this magazine. Um, it is uh, obviously it's notable the whole uh, just kind of a media um, kind of a mark of the era kind of thing. Nineteen sixty nine, uh, the beginning that this is kind of a the end of <clears throat> wow words. Um, Kind of the emergence of the rock and roll into the actual mainstream media. Not that it wasn't mainstream before, but it's kind of making its way into um, other forms of media. People talking about the music, um, that sort of thing. Right, yeah. And and the magazines are very prominent with Mm -hmm. that kind of culture now. Right. um, And they kind of revolve around that music. So, yeah, totally true. All right, March 6th of 1992, the Fox Theater in Boulder opens its doors with the performance of The Meters. Or, as Ben likes to say, The Meteors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good thing we had to re-record this episode because (laughs) I really struggled with saying The Meters. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So, yeah, the Fox Theater, I mean, I know it's come up in in conversation in the past, but it kind of bounces between the Fox Theater and the Red Rocks Theater as well Mm -hmm. in Colorado as being one of the um, top places for performances uh, throughout the state. So, super cool. Um, I guess I never really realized that it's not that old, being 1992. Yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about it a little bit in the past, and it seems like there's a lot of notable... Um, events kind of revolving around the Fox Theater and I just had all this time assumed it was older and you know obviously had more time to kind of build up uh, stories and history and like wow since 1992 I guess there's been a lot going on right right (laughs) (laughs) oh that's funny March 7th 1985 we are the world is heard on the radio for the first time now this was a huge influential moment in music history that I know we've touched on quite a bit many different facets of it when it comes to individual artists as well as uh, when it was you know first introduced or the thought was actually provoked Um, so you know a lot of times like there was multiple musicians that worked on this and even with the principal recording not all of them could have been there so like you know elton john billy joel like those guys recorded in their own studios and then it was compiled into the song itself and that kind of stuff is is super interesting to hear as well as the um combined effort to make sure that this song was played at the same time on thousands of radio stations across the country yeah and it was the the overlap was so prevalent that you could uh, 
that across the United States and and as well as uh, much of the world, actually, um, you could move from you could travel across the country and never be out of range of a station playing We Are the World. Oh, in, that's crazy! In unison, I, I just it, and it's like you haven't really heard of something like this happening again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. and especially in in. Uh, 1985 not that it, not that that's super long ago but because you know this was obviously pre everything on the internet and so uh-huh, we're not right using uh network systems to uh choreograph all of this not using it to to time up everything so it's going correctly though no, this was a all set up you know the hard way and uh still pulled right. it off and, and it yeah go ahead Oh, sorry. And I was going to say, I'm sure that the radio stations themselves didn't have automated automated um, music systems like they do now, mm-hmm. where it's, everything's just formatted in, um, and then it just you know plays the running up tracks. So yeah, I'm sure everyone was you know hovering over the play button, right? You right. Know, ready ready to go as soon as the clock struck, you know whatever <laughs> time that it started playing. Um, right. Yeah, it's pr- it's a pretty amazing thing to think about, you know, all the all the background stuff that went into it. Yeah, I'm with you. March 8th of 1968, the Fillmore East, owned by promoter Bill Graham, opens in New York City. Man, how's your tongue feel after saying the Fillmore East? You know, it's they could have come up with something better because that it just does not <laughs> roll off the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> but your tongue doesn't feel like diamonds after you say it, man. The Fillmore. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's true. Looking, okay, I see where you're going with this. Okay, yeah, I mean, <laughs> anything even remotely associated with Bill Graham is just by default huge, gigantic. Oh yeah, <laughs> just gigantic. You know, he could own, he could uh, take over ownership of a McDonald's franchise. And it would instantly become like a tourist attraction. Right, right, right. (laughs) (laughs) That's Um, funny. Which is pretty cool. Also on March 8th of 1973, Grateful Dead keyboardist, vocalist, and harp player Ron Pigpen McKernan dies of cirrhosis of the liver. Sorry, I I thought I had to sneeze for a second. <laughs> the the look on Ben's face was like, do I have to try and fill time, or did we? Did I lose you? No. <laughs> um, not. Boy, that was kind of unfortunate timing. Not to make light of cirrhosis of the liver because that is you oh know, right. not. <laughs> that's not good. That's, that's not, not a good. a pretty way of uh, of going. But no, I saw you reach down and uh, slap that mute button. Like, Oh boy, what is going on? Is the audio screwed up and we're going to have to start over again? <laughs> right. Right. No, we're good. We're good. Okay. Um, March 11th, 1997, Paul McCartney is knighted by queen Elizabeth II. Now that's pretty awesome. Having such a huge influential impact like that on the music industry, let alone the world that you get knighted. Yeah. It just seems it just seems odd to me, and you know, I'm not, I'm not from the UK, so maybe it, you know, naturally feels odd to me. But that someone in a music career ends up becoming so influential that they're knighted by the Queen. You know, it's not like 
you know, I understand the um, organizers of charities, philanthropists, um, you know, that sort of person becoming knighted. But it just seems it's so crazy to me that someone can be so um, instrumental in the as a musician that it warrants being knighted by the queen. And this is, you know, it's not the first time that it's happened either. I mean, Elton John was knighted as well. Elton John. Yep. Yeah, totally. Totally. It's, it's awesome. And and I think that, that that's just a huge defining moment in their lives and careers for sure. So at that point I'd be like, okay, I'm retiring. I'm done. I made it. I mean, look, Hey, look, ma, I made it. Yeah. What else are you supposed to do? I mean, isn't it pretty much downhill from there? Oh, you know what? Almost if 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 I <laughs> if I did that, I would literally perform live in a suit of armor. Oh yeah. Oh, I would take it as literal <laughs> as possible. Everything I want. <laughs> I would spend one hundred percent of my day in a suit of armor just because I can. <laughs> yeah, right. Because you're <laughs> Sir Leslie Somsack. <laughs> oh, that would be fantastic. All right, let's. All right, now we're gonna make it our life goal now to make young nostalgia so big that we become knighted by the queen. But we're not even citizens of Europe. Doesn't or, matter. Or, or we're gonna be so big <laughs> that it doesn't matter. matter. <laughs> all right, starting with you. If you want to make us big, give us a rate and review on iTunes yeah. <laughs> and share. <laughs> it comes down to the listeners. You gotta help us make <laughs> <Right>. this happen. <laughs> We'll start a GoFundMe. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think pretty sure it's you. No, I just did that. Oh, oops. All right. This is <laughs> great podcasting. March 13th, 1973, Pink Floyd releases Dark Side of the Moon. It subsequently remains on the charts for 741 weeks from 1973 to 1988, longer than any other album in history going along with an estimated 50 million copies sold. Gosh, what a magnificent piece of art. Like, I love that album. I think it's perfect. I do. Um, I it's Everything on it is a must-listen. Right. It, like, front to back, it's great. The artwork is great. The, 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 the musicality of it's great. Mm-hmm. The sleeve is great. The smell is great. The taste <laughs> is even better. It's just an all-around perfect album. Um, and you, you talked about the album artwork, and you know it's it, it doesn't necessarily one hundred percent correlate to the content of the album. But we see "Dark Side of the Moon" is still all over the place. There's oh yeah uh, branding, and there's branding of companies that kind of uh, are a are based off of "Dark Side of the Moon." There's um, spoofs from i know uh there's star wars stuff out there that's kind of goes back to dark side of the moon uh like t-shirts and posters and that sort of thing pretty much there's you name anything and you can probably find some sort of advertising or merchandising that circles its way back to dark side of the moon right right and and you know i know you're not a diehard pink floyd fan mm-hmm. i'm not a diehard pink floyd fan but Anybody who knows, you know, classic rock or, you know, this kind of music can instantly tell who that album is just by the look of it. And that's how influential this album was. Like this defined Pink Floyd, I feel like. Oh, yeah, I I, I 100% agree. There's, you know, there's there's a lot of people who are less into uh, music and media than we are. 
and they don't maybe they don't know anything about Pink Floyd at all, but they know exactly what Dark Side of the Moon is. Right, and it's it it almost to me this can be you know one of the last points, but it's almost to me as defining of a moment in a band's life as Fleetwood Mac's rumors was to Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's pretty much you know they they're well established going into it, but it's that's who they are now. And there's even if they wanted, even if they had wanted to change uh, their style, their sound, or anything, they they can do. They can do anything they wanted, but they're still creators of Dark Side of the Moon, so that's what they're known for. Right. They couldn't change for 741 weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mar- March 17th, 1997, the RIAA announces the Eagles' greatest hits has tied Michael Jackson's Thriller as the all-time best-selling album in the U.S. We kind of had a long discussion about this uh, when we talked about it before, but, you know, this is the greatest hits album that spanned four years. I think it was 1971 to 1975 or 76. Mm-hmm. Just that, the entire album itself, for those four years, spawned enough greatest hits to make it the tied all-time best-selling album. And that's crazy. I love the Eagles. I think their sound is great. Um, and yeah, and, and that's just their first hit, uh, greatest hits compilation. Right. And you know... Kind of, it, it's real easy to kind of go back and forth between the two arguments of like, oh, it, you know, it took a greatest hits album to compete with, you know, Michael Jackson's Thriller. But then looking back the other direction, it's like, what, you know, anything that you can put together that will compete with Michael Jackson's Thriller is oh, yeah. fantastic. So, I mean, right. it, it's you can look at it multiple ways, but it still comes down to, Anyone that can even compete in the slightest with Michael Jackson, you've got something going for you. Right. That that's that's a good sign in the music industry. And, and you know, it's kind of crazy because you never really hardly ever feel that greatest hits compilations are ones to make the news. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The greatest hits compilations come after all of the music has been made, after the band has has become who they are and is well established, and then they're like, Oh yeah, here's a greatest hits compilation. Right, it's and kind then of that. Just kind of gets thrown off to the wayside, or somebody who who missed album one through four can just get the greatest hits and then be caught up. You know what I mean? It's like that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. no, the Eagles' greatest hits, their sound was so good, so profound that their greatest hits album was absolutely amazing. I agreed. It just, it's just amazing that anyone, you know, it, I mean, it could be a. It doesn't necessarily have to be a only a couple year span. Um, you know, it could be all time greatest hits for, for what it matters. I mean, it's, uh-huh. it's especially, um, you know, in 1997 when, you know, kind of after the age of the Eagles, uh, for someone to come up and rival Michael Jackson, you know, I mean, it, that takes, that takes a lot. Take some balls, man. Yeah. Yeah, yes. March 19th, 1982. <laughs> March 19th, 1982, Randy Rhodes dies in a plane accident. Um, he is, of course, the uh, guitarist from both Quiet Riot and Ozzy Osbourne. 
It's good stuff. Quiet Riot's pretty good. I only know one song, but I love the band. How's that sound? <laughs> there we go. Um, I'm not a huge fan of either Quiet Riot or Ozzy Osbourne, but I did find it interesting, uh, a little bit of background research on Randy Rhodes, um, how he how he holds up uh, classical guitar um, is pretty amazing. He's super into the old-fashioned classical guitar stylings, and that's kind of what he enjoyed doing in between uh, stints with other bands and in between uh, recording sessions and uh, shows. And he even talked about in interviews at times how he you know he might be playing like a hard rock or uh metal style but he's kind of backing it up with his classical um background that's cool stuff which is really cool i feel like that's yeah it is very talented to be able to arrange it in that kind of in that kind of way Mm -hmm. and it's it's just not something you necessarily hear a lot of you know it's right i mean from time to time you hear about guys who um either come from a background of uh big band music or uh classical style music and then they kind of move forward and they integrate it with their a little bit more modern sound but it's just Mm -hmm. not super often right Right. Also on March 19th, three years later in 1985, Spin Magazine begins publishing. And I'm guessing this has to do a lot with uh, record companies and uh, new records coming out um, along that along that line. Yes. Um, I don't necessarily know a lot about Spin Magazine, but yeah, uh, but yes, I do agree that that is kind of their focus. Right. Back then, Record Store Day was every day. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't kind of novelty day here and there. Right. Right. <laughs> March 20th of 1969, John John Lennon and Yoko Ono marry each other and that's the end of the Beatles as we know them. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> Yes, that's true. It seems kind of interesting how that coincides. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we don't have to talk anymore on that topic. <laughs> <laughs> okay then march 24th <laughs> 1991 <laughs> um the black crows are dropped from a tour with cz top after criticizing the tour sponsor miller beer which is crazy because that's what you're drinking oh good call that's exactly <laughs> what i'm drinking product placement <laughs> and you know we oh, that <clears throat> this kind of strikes me as odd because you know, I don't. We don't necessarily have all of the background on what transpired, but I would have to think that it would be something pretty major in order to be dropped immediately in a tour that was planned months, if not years, in advance. Right. Um, yeah. I I think it's kind of crazy because I never thought that the, that was like that big of a deal. Like, how much say does the band or the group actually have? In the sponsorships, it's more of like, hey, I'm going on this tour. As long as I make money, that's fine. So something must have happened. Either the company treated him wrong or something, and they didn't like it. Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't think twice about who's sponsoring my show. Well, I don't know. I mean, it, it's kind of it's kind of a big deal because you wouldn't be there if you didn't have sponsors. That's true. You know, and it's, I, I don't know. I just feel like if it was a 
offhanded thing behind the scenes, you know, and it kind of circled back around to the uh, head honcho of the sponsor. It would be like a, a slap on the wrist kind of thing. Um, you'd be reprimanded and you, you know, wouldn't do business with them ever again. But for it to be actually dropped like this, I almost think it's got to be something like a uh, criticize them about their, you know, some sort of company policy or the viewpoint of the company, something like that, probably right. in like an interview after the show or something like that. You know, right. Think about think about this as well. Think about how much money is invested by Miller Beer for them to kick the band out and not for them to just drop the sponsor for somebody else to take it. Because I'm sure there's plenty of other companies out there that would like to sponsor ZZ Top and the Black Crows. But no, the Black Crows get dropped and the sponsor stays like that has to say a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I I would. They must have been uh, footing the bill for the whole stinking thing. (laughs) <laughs> right, right. Crazy, dude. Absolutely crazy. <laughs> March 25th of 1967, The Who make the U.S. concert debut in New York. And we talked a little bit about how they were the ones to kind of break the bubble in terms of the British invasion. You know, kind of before the big names that we always hear are Rolling Stones, The Beatles, not too much else. And then kind of The Who kind of just, you know, tumbles and cause that avalanche of uh, British, you know, new wave music to come in. Yeah, they were by no means the first of the UK bands to come to the United States, but it just seemed like somehow their arrival kind of was icing on the cake for the whole thing, and everyone just came spilling over and took over the United States music industry, you know, by storm. Right. Right. I love it. It's good stuff. All right, moving on to March 26th, or uh, going way back to 1827, uh, Ludwig van Beethoven dies in Austria. Yeah, and, and maybe not a direct connection, but it is music. And a lot of this, you know, to think about, we can't even, like Marquis or, you know, Spin Magazine would have probably never been a thing without that kind of music theory and the basis of music that, you know, you know Mozart, Beethoven, everyone from that era really kind of laid the groundwork for where we are today in both sound and theory. And it's kind of crazy. Yeah, you know, uh, there's a lot of people who might not really care for anything classical um, and would be the... F- absolute first to turn it off turn off the radio if that's what was on but you when you think about it you you can't even if it's not your speed you have to appreciate it because where would music be now without the influence from people like mozart beethoven bach um and all of those guys back in the uh especially the 1800s um you know, there's the guys that are doing things that are totally different. They're the big, they're, they're still big names, you know, 200 years later. Right. Right. Man, it's good stuff. Also on March 26th, this time in 1948, Steven Tyler of Aerosmith is born. Wow. And then music started, started the, the history of music started. <laughs> yeah yeah you pretty much wipe everything else out 1948 steven tyler that's all you need to know right right after we just got to, got done talking about beethoven i love it <laughs> yeah <laughs> rounding the episode out march 27th of 1986 sammy hagar debuts as lead singer van halen and uh we kind of had this debate last time 
which I absolutely won. Um, I don't think Van Halen is Van Halen without David Lee Roth, the original lead singer. And, you know, Sammy Hagar came on board. And, you know, there's a few good songs that I enjoy. But to me, it's just Sammy Hagar with Van Halen. It's not Van Halen. And, uh, yeah, so that's where I stand. And then Ben thinks the exact opposite. See, I, I think you're misremembering what we recorded previously <laughs> because <laughs> I'm not I'm not a huge Van Halen fan, but I am inclined to agree with him that you know it's it, you know it's it's still Van Halen, it's still good, but it's just not it's just not the same. Man, you're lying straight through your mic. Wow, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I still have my audio. Your your audio is screwed up, but I still have my audio. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, we we could play it back just to prove the prove the <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah, we'll, we'll add just my audio right to the end of this, and you'll have to just you know find something to do in the uh, in the the silence portions. Right, right. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. That was episode sixty one this month in music history for March, our last one for here on Young Nostalgia. If we ever come back and kind of do a different spin on it. Uh, we will. But coming up next month, we're kicking off year two of Young Nostalgia with a uh, this month in music, this month in television history every month. So it's going to be exciting. But uh, as always, you can find us on your favorite podcast app, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. We're out there. If you're out there on Apple Podcasts, give us a rate and review down below. Please help us grow and share us. Just take a few seconds, maybe even a minute, out of your day and let us know what you think. You can also give us an email at youngnostalgia2017 at gmail.com for any topic show ideas or if you'd like to be a guest or you can get us in contact with somebody that you'd like to hear talk with us. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. It's a blast to talk to you every week, mostly every week, for whenever we get around (laughs) to it. Thank you guys so much. Ben, anything else, big guy? Hey, you know what? This is... I. I forgot to say it at the beginning of the show, but you know what? We've set a new record, and we are. This is the second show uh, we've put out back to back. I know when and we're it's supposed crazy. to. <laughs> we we're, better watch out because people might get used to this. I know we're setting the bar pretty high, man. <laughs> 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 See, every single week we become a better podcast because either we put out a podcast or we don't. And when we put out a podcast, that means we're a better podcast than the week before. <laughs> well, you know, it's it doesn't say too much because it seems like recently, <laughs> more often than not, we haven't put out a podcast. <laughs> <coughs> but... Thank you guys so much for sticking with us because it's great to see those download numbers stay steady. You are fantastic. We love being in your ear all the time. As we always say here on Young Nostalgia, keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full. We'll see you next week. Music